Hey guys, you know what? America does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table. Yeah. Hmm. Are you sure they don't? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I think they kind of like food fights. I got the feeling that something right. I actually do. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California and Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ, in Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, to name just a few of our terrestrial and streaming affiliates. All of them superb. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me... From bradblog.com, thank you once again for joining us for the world-famous Bradcast. As listeners who uh, tune in five days a week to the Bradcast uh, may know by now, our last two shows were devoted to debate coverage of nights one and night two of the uh, first 2020 Democratic presidential debate last Wednesday and Thursday in Miami. If you did not catch those two special coverage shows, you would do yourself a favor to, uh, well, to do so. Not now, but after we're done with this hour, by uh, downloading them from the archives at bradblog.com for a very lively and smart post-debate analysis from Heather Digby-Parton of Salon, Dave Johnson of Seeing the Forest, and Richard R.J. Eskow of The Zero Hour. Those are all free to download. Thanks to those of you who help support our program via bradblog.com slash Donate. Thank you. You make our programs going back years and years free for everyone. Thank you. Bradblog.com slash donate. And uh, like a turd dropped into the punch bowl between nights one and two, the stolen U.S. Supreme Court dropped its biggest, most controversial and arguably longest reaching decisions at the end of the court's term last week. Uh, Before the justices scattered for the summer, I do hope to open the phones in a little bit to get your thoughts on the debate last week. In particular, who did better than you expected and, if you like, who did worse than you had hoped? 
Our number will be at that time, 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. If you'd like to queue up right now with any thoughts, you can also uh, reach me via the Twitters where I am the Brad blog. I will try my best to keep my eyes on that. But before we get there, uh, I busted briefly into our debate coverage last week for a quick report on the court's final ruling of the term on extreme partisan gerrymandering, which has been uh, bastardizing American representative democracy over the past decade following the GOP takeover of state legislatures back in 2010. Uh, in order to draw wildly partisan legislative and U.S. House map districts after the 2010 census, districts which virtually guaranteed Republican majority control in a whole bunch of states, no matter how many more voters went to the polls and voted for Democrats. That type of rigging of our electoral system, for example, saw in the closely divided swing state of North Carolina, voters pretty much voting 50-50 overall for their members of the U.S. House of Representatives. But um, the result over the past decade was that even with a 50-50 vote for representatives, just three Democrats were represented in the U.S. House in North Carolina compared to 10 Republicans year after year after year over the past decade. Now, the lower courts found, uh, found similar cases of extreme partisan gerrymandering in the now closely divided states of Wisconsin, Michigan and Ohio, where Republicans have been able to gerrymander themselves to majorities thanks to their rigged maps, that along with North Carolina. Uh, so there's been a long-awaited decision on this. It came out last week, along with the other major ruling that came down late last week uh, regarding whether the Trump administration may add a question about citizenship to the 2020 census in hopes of, as we've recently uh, learned, discovered from the files of the hard drive of a deceased GOP gerrymandering operative, in hopes of rigging the census itself to decrease the response rate from those in immigrant and Hispanic communities so that hundreds of billions of dollars in funding and voting power itself would be shifted to Republicans and non-Hispanic whites, all while power at the ballot box for Democratic-leaning voters would be further eroded. Both of those huge decisions from the Supreme Court have huge consequences for the country moving forward, and the coverage of both was somewhat muted amid the Democrats' two-night presidential debates last week. Leave it to the Democrats to ruin everything. I want to make up for that, however, a bit today uh, here with uh, Bradcast's now long-toiling Supreme Court correspondent who has walked us through, held our hand, really, through virtually all of the major rulings of this year's very busy SCOTUS season, good, bad, or otherwise, uh, over the past two or three weeks as the high court has announced its uh, last hurrah, I guess, of the season last Thursday. Slate.com's brilliant legal and court reporter Mark Joseph Stern joins us for one last time before he, too, may be scattering for summer holidays. No doubt uh, going to hang out on the beach at uh, Martha's Vineyard with Ruth Bader Ginsburg or whatever it is these people do. Mark Joseph Stern, sir, welcome back once again to the broadcast, amigo. Thank you 
so much for having me back on. Always a pleasure. Happy to hold your hand a little bit more before we all scatter to the wind for the summer. Break. I know, and I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you a whole lot. Actually, you're working on a book. I should. I'll put that out right off the bat, so I don't uh, run out of time here. You're actually working on a book over the next over the next month. Yes, that's right. Uh, I will be uh, writing a book about this Supreme Court term. So, if listeners have enjoyed our many chats yes. in the months. Uh, through the last year, actually, yep. it makes me feel old, uh, <laughs> then maybe look out this fall for American Justice 2019. Uh-huh. Uh, keep forgetting the year. Yeah. Uh, I will be covering all the big cases, all the little cases, all the themes, all the drama. It'll all be in there. Coming to you from University of Pennsylvania Press. There you go. And if you don't want to wait for that book, you can just go get the audio version by listening to Mark and I talk <laughs> about over the past year as the, these oral arguments have come out, and he was there in the court telling us about them, and now these uh, rulings. All right. Uh, well, before we get to, let's get to these last of these rulings, Mark, uh, before we get to the slightly better news, I think, regarding the census, though it might not be quite as good as, as I think a lot of folks have been describing. Uh, let's start with, first, the very bad news, at least as I see it. And from your own writing, it looks like you concur in a straight five to four ruling that broke right down the middle of the right wingers on the court and the Democratic appointees. Uh, they gave a big thumbs up for partisan legislatures to undermine, frankly, their own voters, at least certain voters who don't support them. With Justice John, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts writing the stolen majority's opinion that extreme partisan gerrymandering is just fine, that federal courts, even those that have repeatedly found over and over again that the practice violates the U.S. Constitution in Maryland, Michigan, North Carolina, Ohio, Wisconsin, that they may have no say on such issues and that the matter must instead be left to, I guess, state courts, citizen ballot initiatives or the uh, gerrymandered legislatures themselves to somehow ungerrymander themselves if they feel like it. Now, Mark, you held little back, it seems, in describing the ruling on your Twitter feed last week. You called this, quote, the nightmare for voting rights advocates and a crushing defeat for voting rights, arguing that it is hard to overstate the impact of this ruling, which you describe as, quote, a fiasco for democracy. Um, well, it may be uh, difficult to overstate it, but let me let you try, Mark. Why is, <laughs> why is this decision as horrific as you seemed to try and describe it on Thursday? And, and has anything made the ruling less horrific in the subsequent days you've had to consider it? a self-perpetuating problem, right? Partisan gerrymandering is, is uniquely evil and difficult to fix because it attacks the foundations of democracy. It entrenches a certain political party's power uh, almost indefinitely uh, and creates a map that will hold even if the state votes against that party, right? So as soon as legislatures have gone in there and drawn a gerrymander that they like and entrenched their own power, they're in there for good, and it's no longer really a representative democracy in the sense that it's not representative of the people and it's not responding to the people's will. That is obviously a huge problem. That is why this is the nightmare scenario, because if the legislature can't fix it, and why would it fix it? They love what they've right. done. You really have to rely on the courts to step in and fix it. And now Chief Justice Roberts has said that the federal courts are 
are just, you know, not going to hear these claims, that they are shut out forever. Uh, and that leaves few avenues for relief uh, for voters in these states. Yes, some states have ballot initiatives. Some states have liberal Supreme Courts. But the truth is that most states, including a lot of states where this is really bad, don't have a clear way uh, uh, to get around this issue. Voters do not have any way to change their government except trying to vote the legislators out. And because of partisan gerrymandering, they just literally can't do that. And that was, uh, Roberts had cited uh, the state of Michigan, where in fact voters adopted a statewide citizen ballot initiative, I think it was last, uh, I think it was in uh, November 2018, that will now require an independent redistricting commission for future redistricting in that state, uh, following the 2020 census. That's good. Um, but he and he points to that and saying, look, that's how this should be done. The federal court should not be playing any role in it. But citizen ballot initiatives are not available uh, in all states across the country. And even in some states where they are, like Florida, that legislature just finished making it way more difficult to get any initiative on the ballot. So this leaves uh, courts, I guess, but state courts, Mark, do state courts, we know they have jurisdiction over uh, state legislative maps in many cases. Do state courts also have jurisdiction over federal uh, U.S. House districts? Yes, they do. And that is the one uh, little shining beacon of hope here, um, because as we saw last year, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court struck down the state's House District map and commissioned uh, an independent map maker to redraw it, which he did wonderfully. He created a ton of really competitive districts. Voters are very happy there. Uh, so, yes, uh, every state Supreme Court does have the power to strike down maps uh, under their state constitutions, and every state constitution has some provision that can be read to prohibit partisan gerrymandering. Mm. Uh, every state constitution, for instance, guarantees the right to vote. Most guarantee free and equal elections. Uh, they guarantee freedom of association and equal protection. All of these bedrock constitutional freedoms that should prevent the legislature from discriminating against you because you support a certain political party and diluting your vote. Uh, so uh, we can rely on maybe a few more Supreme courts to go out there and do what Pennsylvania's did. But most state Supreme Courts in this country are not very liberal. In fact, mm. the majority are conservative. So that avenue of relief is also pretty limited. And you're making the case for why this is such a nightmare scenario. Uh, the, the Supreme Court decided, the U.S. Supreme Court decided long ago that racial gerrymandering is unconstitutional. Why? At least according to their argument, which, again, I should note a ton of lower court judges seem to uh, disagree with. Why is racial mandering uh, unconstitutional for partisan advantage, but partisan gerrymandering for partisan advantage is not unconstitutional? I mean, don't they both have the same deteriorating effect on the actual, you know, one person, one vote democracy that even Republicans pretend to believe in? Absolutely. And this is the weakest part of Robert's opinion, although it was a generally weak opinion. He said, oh, well, it's easy to measure racial gerrymandering. You just test to see if it's a district is drawn along racial lines. With partisan gerrymandering, it's impossible for courts to say how much partisanship is too much. And that is just factually wrong. Because, first of all, racial gerrymandering cases are very controversial and difficult uh, to deal with by the courts because it can be pretty challenging mm -hmm. to 
figure out when, how, and why legislators used race. But setting that aside, we have so many rulings from both lower federal courts and state courts that have been able to pinpoint how much partisanship is too much and to create neutral criteria uh, that they can use to redraw maps and create much fairer, more competitive elections. This is not a mystery. This is not rocket science. Rocket science, and as Justice Kagan said in her dissent, what do these courts know that the Supreme Court doesn't? They aren't working with mm. any special knowledge. They're doing what Roberts claimed was impossible, which is to say this is obviously extreme partisan gerrymandering. This obviously goes way too far, and here's how we're going to fix it. Roberts pretends like this is really difficult. It's not difficult. Frankly, I think an eighth-grade algebra student could probably draw fairer maps than many legislators are drawing today. You're right, because it was really court after court court in state after state who were able to come to this uh, decision that these should be struck down. They had no trouble doing it. Yet Roberts says, I, we don't know. We can't figure out how could we possibly know if this is partisan or not. Now, uh, Mark Joseph Stern over in your uh, coverage at Slate, uh, you you quote uh, Roberts earlier this year, calling himself, quote, probably the most aggressive defender of the First Amendment on the court now. But you argue that the decision that he made, he wrote for the majority here, is one of the most effective and widespread attacks on free speech today. How do you see this as a as an attack on the First Amendment itself? And, and how does Roberts uh, justify what really is a pretty clear assault on uh, on free speech of American voters. Well, uh, yeah, I think it is pretty clear because there is no more sort of fundamental free speech right in this country under this Constitution than the ability to associate with a political party, to express your support for that political party, and to go to the polls and vote for a candidate of that party. That is, in fact, what the First Amendment was designed to protect. Like, that is at the absolute heart of freedom of expression in this country. And partisan gerrymandering is an attack on all of it, right? This is essentially the government retaliating against you for expressing your support for a political party, diluting the power of your vote simply because of your speech and association. That is a direct assault on the First Amendment. And Robert sees it and he shrugs his shoulders and says there's nothing we can do about it. Even worse than that, he suggests that this isn't even a real burden on speech because voters can still support the party they like. They might just not have any real power in the legislature. <laughs> that is an absurd vision of the First Amendment, and, and it really wow. just makes a mockery of our entire constitutional order. You know, taken with uh, Citizens United, uh, allowing virtually unlimited corporate money into elections, gutting the Voting Rights Act's uh, most central protections against minority disenfranchisement, and now this gerrymandering ruling, and I'm just naming sort of the big ones here. Is it fair to say that voting, which I think previous courts used to cite as the right that protects all other rights, that that right to vote is just not seemed as, uh, seen as, as that much of a, of a right by, this, uh, by the Roberts court, given what, you know, taken together really seems to me like an all-out assault on voting rights over the past, uh, what, 10 years? Uh, is that, uh, w- would that qualify as the type of overstatement that you said would be difficult to make at this point, that it really is an assault on voting rights from top to bottom from this court? 
I don't think it's an overstatement at all. I don't think you found the line yet. Um, I, I mean, truly, this is a court that says the First Amendment applies with more force to billionaire donors writing big checks than it does to everyday citizens affiliating with a political party and casting a ballot in the voting booth. That cannot be right. It simply cannot be the case that there are stronger First Amendment protections to plutocrats funneling money into campaigns to basically buy favor with candidates uh, than there are for you and me and everybody else who's listening who just wants to make their voice heard in government. It, it is really disgusting to see what the Roberts Court is doing here. It's, it is, the again, the nightmare scenario for mm. voting rights. The uh, last point on this for now, before we go to the census, uh, given this ruling, Mark, uh, should Democrats, you know, in states where they control the legislature and the governor's mansion, uh, should they just partisan gerrymander the hell out of their own states after the 2020 census to do precisely what the Republicans did in state after state? Uh, you know, after 2010, the Supreme Court says that robbing certain voters of their power is just fine. So why should Democrats unilaterally disarm here and not do it themselves at this point. So I hear your argument, I really do, and I would never underestimate the malice and bad faith of the Republican Party, and I recognize that they gerrymander as much as they can whenever they're in power, but I think that one party has to give the American people some vision of a better way. I think that there has to be some commitment by the Democratic Party to actual voting rights, to genuinely free and fair elections, because if they lose sight of that, if they lose belief in the idea of uh, an open and representative democracy, then they have lost sight of why they're in this in the first place, of what this is all about, because it can't just be all about power for one party over the other. I, I like to think that voters will uh, basically help out the Democratic Party if they see its commitment to that neutral principle, that they will reward it uh, for, for elevating voting rights over partisan interests. Maybe I'm optimistic, maybe I'm naive, <laughs> but I would never condone partisan gerrymandering, even when Democrats do You it. know, and I hear the argument you're making, and I feel you, and actually I agree with you, but, you know, the fa and I know that two wrongs don't make a right, but in this case, two wrongs actually may make a right in that, you know, if if uh, Democratic states gerrymander their own U.S. House districts, at least that might bring appropriate balance back to the U.S. House or at least appropriate representation back to the U.S. House. I, I'm, I'm sort of up in the air on it. I, I'd be interested, by the way, from callers, if you want to call in 818-985-5735, if you think the Democrats should now do the same thing by rigging maps in the states that they control in the same way uh, after the 2020 census. It's, you know, it's not unfair. I mean, it, it may be unfair, but it's arguably it would serve to balance out the House of Representatives at the very least. I don't know. Interesting question. All right, uh, Mark, The uh, let's move on to the census case here for some slightly better news, I think. The Supreme Court is forbidding Donald Trump uh, and his administration from adding a citizenship question to the 2020 census, at least for now. The uh, court says... Um, in another five to four ruling, although on this one, Roberts joined the courts for liberals, that the Trump administration's explanation for wanting to add the citizenship question was, quote, uh, appears to have been contrived. 
In fact, the lower courts found that the DOJ and the Commerce Department, which runs the Census Bureau, lied about their reasons for wanting to add the uh, the question to the census, uh, which, as recently unearthed documents show, was just a ruse to lower the response rate from Democratic-leaning Hispanic and minority uh, communities to shift billions in resources and voting power to white Republican jurisdictions over the next decade. Mark, I suspect we'll be talking about this still more in the coming months because Roberts seemed to be saying, yeah, the reason you gave is B.S., uh, Trump administration, but we're happy to allow you to try again in the next couple of months if you want to come up with something that sounds more plausible than the transparent BS claim you made previously. Is that how you read this ruling? Uh, I would summarize the ruling in four words. Lie better next time. <laughs> uh, yes, that is what John Roberts said in this five to four decision with the liberals joining him uh, and the conservatives joining him in other sections. But the key bit here is Roberts saying, like you just summarized, uh, these lies were simply too incompetent for me to accept and embrace and pretend to believe without debasing myself and humiliating my court. So he sent the case back down and did give the Trump administration another chance to try to give a real reason for the citizenship question on the census. Uh, there is a, a lot of disagreement over whether the government even has time to do that. It claimed that it had to print these forms starting today, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's kind of taking that back. Uh, and I'm not really convinced that Roberts, having stuck his neck out on this issue already, would then flip around and say, oh, okay, you've given me a better lie, so I accept it. I think he was trying to sort of lay down a rule for the next case down the road, that he's not going to accept these awful, you know, just such absurd and flagrantly stupid lies. Um, but we will see. We will check in because, you know, if, if there's one thing we've learned about the Trump administration, it's never to underestimate the extent of its malice and cruelty. Yeah. And you may be more optimistic than me. I mean, the way I read this is they were trying to find any way to approve this, to let this go through. But, you know, the Trump administration was just so bad at lying. You know, please come back with another explanation. And as you note, it, the, it's supposed to go to the printer today. That was the argument that the uh, administration made when they were trying to rush through all of the other courts. We have to finish by July 1. Uh, now they're saying, well, you know, we could wait until October. That would be fine. <laughs> what, what, what happens uh, if they do make their case over the summer while the court is on summer break? How does that work, Mark Joseph Stern? Yeah, I mean, what's going to happen is they'll, they'll come up with a new pretext, because the real reason is racism, right? The real reason, as you said at the beginning, is that they want an undercount of Hispanics. They want to basically take representation away from Hispanic-majority uh, areas and move it to white areas. The, the, the administration's not going to admit that. So they'll come up with a slightly better pretext. They will have to take it back to district court. The district court is going to say no, because they, you know all of the district court judges know this is all BS. Uh, and then it's going to be appealed back up to the Supreme Court, and there will be an emergency order one way or the other. Almost certainly won't be oral arguments or a full briefing. It'll just be a, an emergency order from the court that either says yay or nay. You've given us an acceptable reason or you haven't. Uh, we don't know what the timeline looks like. We aren't even certain this is how it's going to go down, um, but that's almost, uh, almost definitely what's going to happen. So definitely the jury isn't out yet. Um, but again, it's tough 
love to read Roberts. Uh, I just question if he would have stuck his neck out if he was going to flip, but you're right that his opinion leaves room, plenty of room, for the Trump administration to come back with better lies. Well, if they do, I hope it's after your book deadline so you can come back and explain <laughs> it to us on the broadcast. Uh, one quick question before I let you go, Mark. I know i got to get you out of here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Bernie Sanders on Thursday night, on night two of last week's first 2020 Democratic presidential debate, he floated the idea of rotating Supreme Court justices to other courts, I guess, to bridge the current ideological divide brought on by the Republicans' theft of the high court's majority. Let me uh, play this and, and get your thoughts on this, Mark. I do not believe in packing the court. We got a terrible 5-4 majority conservative court right now. But I do believe that constitutionally we have the power to rotate judges to other courts. And that brings in new blood into the Supreme Court and a majority, I hope, that will understand that a woman has the right to control her own body and that corporations cannot run uh, the Senator, United I'm States of America. So, uh, Mark, what's he talking about? Do you have any idea how this rotation out of the Supreme Court onto lower courts would actually work? And is there a place for that in the Constitution? Uh, the answer is yes, and then the second answer is no. Um, so how this works, it's called the appellate rotation plan, and basically there would be no permanent Supreme Court or not a fully permanent Supreme Court. Instead, you would have judges on the U.S. Court of Appeals rotate on and off the Supreme Court uh, by some kind of random cycle for maybe a few weeks or a few months or a few years at a time, depends on who you ask. The idea being, like Sanders said, that you would have fresh blood, that you would have diversity, ideological diversity, racial mm -hmm. diversity, gender diversity, um, and that the court wouldn't just be this static body um, that sits there for years with the same justices. The problem with this idea, which I don't think is a bad idea, by the way, uh, is that under the Constitution, Supreme Court justices have to be appointed by the president to the Supreme Court of the United States. There's not a willy-nilly system where judges can hop on and off lower courts up to the Supreme Court. So this would have to probably involve a constitutional amendment mm. uh, to allow these lower court judges to get on the Supreme Court in the first place. And unless Bernie has a plan for an amendment here, then I just don't see how this is going to work. Uh, versus uh, Democrats win the Senate and the House and the White House, and they can pass a law, do away with the filibuster if need be, pass a law that expands the court, and we're done. They call it court packing. I would call it court unpacking. That uh, seems or court reform. That's the other term. There you go. That's a nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> I'm all in favor of it. All right. Uh, thank you, brother. Oh, I know I got to get you out of here. Mark Joseph Stern. You can find his work at slate.com. You can find him on the Twitters at MJS underscore DC. And Mark, uh, I just want to thank you for uh, the past several weeks, of course, the past year, but uh, for, certainly for the past several weeks, coming on several times to explain these decisions, helping me make sense of them, helping our listeners make sense of them. You have been a great asset uh, to this program, and I just want to thank you for uh, your, uh, your, your friendly appearances here week after week over the past uh, month. Well, thank you so much for those kind words, and thank you to you and Desi to uh, always speaking the truth, no matter how unpopular it may be. I really appreciate that. God bless you. Give my best to, best to uh, Ruth Bader out on the uh, beach on Fire Island or wherever you guys are hanging out. <laughs> 
Okay, will do. Thanks, Mark. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with some of your calls. I know some of you folks want to get in on this gerrymandering question. Uh, and then, of course, I also have the question about the debates. I'm curious uh, over that two-night debate. Who did better than you expected? Who did worse than you expected? Uh, who helped themselves over those two nights? Uh, and we have some polling in on that, some fresh polling uh, the first uh, real polls since the uh, since the debates, I think, at least that I've seen. That's all coming up next on the broadcast, along with your calls at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the broadcast. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. On January 20th, 2021, we'll say adios to Donald Trump. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. That was what you say. Julian Castro, the uh, former HUD director, former mayor of San Antonio, Texas, Desi Doyen's old home state. And uh, performing better than expected, I think, at least to my eyes and ears, on the, was it the first night, Desi? Yes, he was on the first night, and I think he did. I think he did have a really good breakout night of, uh, you know, sort of nailing his fellow candidates and also just being really forward and out there on his immigration proposals. Now, that was because uh, I actually had amongst the lowest expectations for Julian Castro in the uh, weeks and months leading up to that debate. So uh, maybe the bar was lowered, but I thought he did really well. I'm interested in who you thought did really well over those uh, two nights, who did better than uh, you expected them to do, uh, who did worse than you expected them to do. And is there anyone you feel should be kicked off the island after those uh, debates? Uh, I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735. I'll get to this polling in a second that is just out within the past uh, couple of hours here. Um, and things have... I think it's fair to say, have shaken up quite a bit since those debates. I'll get to them in a moment, but I know some thoughts on uh, the gerrymandering that I was speaking about with Mark Joseph Stern. Let's go to Sharon in L.A. Hey, Sharon, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Sure. I don't think anybody should do gerrymandering. It's uh, it's anti-American, and it doesn't represent um, voters' will. And I tend to agree with you, Sharon, but if we were talking about the next 10 years uh, giving an inappropriate advantage to one party over another, in this case it would be the Republicans if the Democrats unilaterally disarm, um, don't you think that America as a whole deserves to have a U.S. House that is more representative of the people? If we have houses that are representative if, if we ha if, if the Democrats control mm -hmm. a house in an area, we won't, and we don't have gerrymandering. We have, we we will even it out, and those are probably areas that are going to be voting Democratic anyway. But somebody's got to step on it on the gas and be the go in the right direction. 
All right, Sharon, I appreciate your thought on that. 818-985-5735. Let me get a few more here, and we'll get to uh, over to the debate momentarily. Uh, Don in Los Angeles. Hey, Don, welcome to the broadcast. You think Democrats should gerrymander. Is that right? I I am like some people who think people should do the right thing, but I have felt for years the Democrats have been too wussy when they seem to be dealing with people who, and the Republicans seem to believe anything, that they will do anything. And while I have watched Democrats run around apologizing all the time and uh, walking the goody two-shoes line, while the other people will do anything. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Because I grew up around politics. My mom was an activist, and we talked politics since since I was a child. Mm -hmm. And I could pretty much almost predict things many times. Um, And I think that Democrats have to realize you have to, maybe it's not good to say you should fight fire with fire, but yeah. I remember seeing a sign. I was in the Midwest, and I went into this little store, and on the wall there was a sign, and it said, God give me guts, and I had to get that sign. I said, that's what I want. I want guts. I want to stand up for myself, this, that, and the other, and I think Democrats should get that sign and put it on the wall. Well, you know, or, or uh, stop bringing a knife to a gunfight, because that seems like what Democrats do here. And the Supreme Court has just said, no, that's just fine. You can actually uh, use a gun in that sense. You can uh, gerrymander the hell out of the states. It's totally fair, according to the U.S. Supreme Court. So why well, you, not do you it? Understand, you understand that uh, while the Democrats have been apologizing all the time and, and tearing each other down mm-hmm. unnecessarily, um, those people who will do anything, they have been doing many things that are illegal. That uh, I mean, for years, mm-hmm. I remember learning as a child in school that monopolies were wrong, yet they have been... They're rolling over the American people, yep. the big corporate wheels, and, and, and exactly black voters and others. And this is exactly, yeah, this is exactly the argument to uh, to push back with the same weapons that they use, uh, even though it does, uh, you know, increase the increase the battle. I get it, Don. Thanks for that call. I appreciate that. One more before we go over to the uh, flip over to the debate here, Barbara. Very quickly in uh, Laguna Niguel. Welcome to the broadcast, Barbara. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say that I agree that we should gerrymander as Democrats, but for a different reason. I think that once Democrats, liberals, uh, progressives start throwing their weight around, then uh, the Republicans will realize that they are outgunned in this battle and they will want to go back and overturn this really bad decision. Good point. I hope you're right. That makes sense, too. Uh, Thanks, Barbara. Appreciate the call. Uh, Senators Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren made steep gains after the first Democratic presidential debate, according to a new CNN poll that is just out before uh, airtime today. Former Vice President Joe Biden's lead over the field has now shrunk to a narrow five points. That after just one debate, one debate in which Biden did not do particularly well, uh, even if he wasn't terrible. The uh, poll was conducted after last week's two night debate. It finds 22 percent of registered voters who are Democrats or Democratic leaning independents back Biden, 22 percent, while uh, Harris, Kamala Harris, California senator, is now getting 17 percent That's just five points. That's damn near margin of error at that point. Uh, Harris is getting 17 percent. Warren, Elizabeth Warren, 
The uh, senator from Massachusetts gets 15 percent and the Vermont senator, Bernie Sanders, gets 14 percent. So they're all knotted up in a ball there. Harris, Warren and and, uh, Bernie Sanders all really within striking distance, so to speak, of uh, Joe Biden, at least according to this poll after this one debate. No one else in the 23-person field that was tested, according to CNN, uh, got higher than 5%. So that's a 10-point decline in support for Joe Biden since the last CNN poll in May, while Harris uh, has posted a nine-point increase since then. Warren has boosted her support by eight points. Uh, and no other candidate has seen significant movement since the last poll. Um, got some more from this poll that we can try to get to, but I also want to get to your calls. So let me take a quick break and we will come back with your calls right after this. Uh, on the Democratic debate, who did you who were you uh, surprisingly impressed with or uh, maddeningly depressed with? I guess, from those uh, from those uh, debates last week. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. They've tried to divide us who's white, who's black, who's gay, who's straight, who's a man, who's a woman. And they ran away with all the gold because they divided the working class. It's time for us to come together. I don't know how you feel, but I'm ready to play some offense. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That was Congressman Tim Ryan from night two of debate one. Or is that night one of debate one? I don't know. One way or another, that was Tim Ryan uh, at the debate last week in Miami. I wanted to play that for you in case uh, Tim Ryan is not long for this race uh, in the coming days. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Who performed better than you expected? Uh, or worse than you expected. Let's go to Will in Santa Barbara. You've been hanging for a while. Thank you, Will. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Thanks for your show. Um, well, I just think the real loser from the debates is the American people, and it's this is just more of a Hollywood production that they're trying to turn this whole thing into, and it's really what people are sick and tired of. And what um, what were they sick you know, into? Why why were the American people the losers? What are we sick and tired of? Well, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds sound bites, they're, they're going more for like the zingers and like the Twitter things that they can tweet out and the memes. 
How would you prefer to deal with 20 candidates uh, who are more than 20 candidates who are running? How would how would you have better like to have seen the uh, debate structured? Oh, well, I could think of a whole bunch of different ways, but I mean, it's like name your best one. Well, how about uh, if you're going to ask one question of one candidate, it must be asked of all the others. Like, for example, when they ask Bernie Sanders, are you going to raise taxes on the middle class? How come they don't ask? and talk about Elizabeth Warren and her wealth tax and bring up the fact that it's likely going to be going to legal battle and it's very likely going to be struck down just like our conservative court is going to be conservative on it. So why are they – she's predicating her entire platform on a wealth tax when Bernie Sanders is actually talking about constitutional taxes being raised. He's got a legit platform, and she's being propped up like she's got a plan for everything. They literally introduced the question by saying, Elizabeth Warren, everybody says you have all these plans. And then, and then they just – and then they kept going back to her like five times in the first half hour. Okay. I mean, th- these are like Hollywood productions. They pick who they want to promote, and everybody can see this. That's why you had 100 million people sit out of the thing in 2016. People are sick of it. So is okay. the Democratic Party going to nominate another person to be an actor or an actress, or are they going to nominate somebody who's real and win the hearts and minds of the people? You are get are you suggesting uh, Elizabeth Warren is not real, that she's an a- actress in this case? I think Elizabeth Warren, first of all, I will definitely vote for her over Donald Trump. I think she's a good person who's kind of caught up in this. Hmm. She's being pushed because Bernie Sanders, they want to stop him no matter what. And she's being pushed because they see that she can take a slice of his support away. They're also supporting Kamala Harris. I think she's more of just a straight-up uh, star. They just see her as a star. Right. And that's what the people are sick of, is this Hollywoodization of our political process. Because they they appeal to people's ego, and they say, you're going to be the president. All right. Just Just do what we say. And then they'll continue doing what they're told when they're president. But we're sick of that. We want somebody... Like Bernie, who's going from his heart. Okay. That's how we're going to win this thing. Thanks, Will. I appreciate that. You know, I'm always uh, cautious when I hear politicians tell me what it is the American people want. I'm uh, similarly uh, cautious uh, when I hear listeners say this is what I, you know, if you got evidence for it, so be it. Now, I will say that Will has a point regarding the, uh, you know, asking the same questions to all of the candidates. And on that score, we may have some good-ish news uh, today after the DNC had initially said, no, we're not going to have special debates on specific issues. Particularly, there was a request for a debate on uh, climate change, on the climate crisis, given the existential issue that I think uh, all of the Democrats seem to suggest it is. Now, uh, I think just today, uh, am I right, uh, Desi, that the Democrats have said the the, yes, the DNC the, has decided they're going to vote. Maybe they will actually have a debate right. dedicated so to it. Right. So in their August meeting, mid-August, yeah. they're going to have a vote on whether to have a climate-focused debate, which makes sense because, you know, the plans and the issues that we're talking about are, are just not conducive to 30-second or one-minute increments of talking about, you know, an economy-wide transition. Yeah. Yeah, and that would give the chance to— It would to, help a lot. Yeah, and also I'd love to see one for health care. I mean, they damn near did one for health care for the first half hour of the uh, second night of the debate. Devote an issue—devote uh, an evening to that. Now, the downside of that, of course, is 
you know, they, some candidates may end up dropping out before we get to your particular issue. If, you know, there's a debate on guns six months down the road, Eric Swalwell may have had to uh, fold by then. Yeah. And also, you know, when it's somebody like Jay Inslee, Washington yeah. state governor, who has an incredibly comprehensive plan, it would be great for the public to have some time to hear what these definitions are. Same thing with health care. So they understand what the definitions of the different proposals are and what the differences are. So, you know, and hopefully people won't tune out because they're like, oh, it's climate change. I don't care about that. So I'm not going to watch. Hopefully that would not be a consequence either. Well, we'll see, won't we? 818-985-5735. You know, we can only give Green News reports six minutes at a time for that very reason. We don't want them to tune out, right? (laughs) 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Jane in Northridge. Hey, Jane, welcome to the broadcast. Who did did better or worse than you thought? Yeah. I would give out awards for guts. Not who who won, who lost, none of this. For guts. Guts. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard talked about the lies that led us to Iraq Uh and that we need to get out of there. I wish she would have gone further into our ideas about regime change and how we've basically screwed Central America several times. That's why the people are coming here. That's one thing. And then Marianne Williams that they're making fun of when she said, actually, our health outcomes are worse than any other developed nation. And that is true. And no one picked that ball up. And it's too bad because Americans need a little bit of reality. All right. Thanks, Jane. Uh, I'm Although I don't know if Marianne Williamson is necessarily the one to turn to for reality, but maybe we did talk about her quite a bit on uh, Friday's broadcast. You can download it from bradblog.com with uh, Heather Digby-Parton and uh, Richard R.J. Escow, who both have personal experience with uh, Marianne Williamson, who they shared on that program. It was a fun hour. You might want to tune in for that one. Uh, let me go. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. See if I can get someone to say uh, who they thought did better or worse than expected. Austin in Beverly Hills. Hey, Austin, welcome to the broadcast. Who outperformed your expectations on Thursday or uh, Wednesday or Thursday, Austin? Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. Okay. And who uh, who disappointed you on Wednesday and Thursday? Andrew Yang. Oh, okay. Why did he disappoint you? Uh, he didn't get to talk very much. Yeah. Uh, he's got a lot of plans. I was really into him, actually. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, they apparently his mic was cut off, uh, but he's on he's on other platforms, so if people want to learn about him, yeah, there's there's plenty of info. You know, he and I agree with you actually. He does have some really interesting ideas, uh, and I would have liked to have heard more of them. They did not ask him a lot of direct questions, and he was polite enough, unlike uh, <laughs> some of the other ones. Talking to you, Gillibrand, oh. that uh, you know to allow that he didn't break in, he didn't interrupt. Uh, but maybe he's uh, maybe in the second debate he will. Thanks, uh, Austin. I appreciate that call. 818-985-5735. You can also tweet me if you like. I am the Brad blog. Let's go to, uh, well, this is interesting. Let's go to John in Los Angeles, uh, somewhat off the topic. But hey, John, welcome to the broadcast. Yep. This is exactly why I don't vote. Why? And I'm not going to vote because this is a dog and pony show. We all know it. And I don't know it, John. I don't oh, know it. No. Oh, yes, sir. We 
all know it because ain't no way in heck you're going to have 24 people and they're all really basically running off of Bernie's platform. If you want to save the planet, then you nominate Bernie. And personally, Bernie's VP isn't even mentioned up there. I personally would take Stacey Abrams right. for his VP. But, the, but what's going to happen is they're going to push one of these corporatists, and in five years, the earth is going to be in such uh, environmental destruction that they're going to really want to shoot themselves. No, I ain't voting for this mess. I'm not voting for suicide. Okay, John, would you vote for Bernie Sanders? Yes. I see. So Bernie or bust, and you will allow uh, Republicans to have uh, another four years in the White House to make the environment that you're concerned uh, about even worse. We already have. That's the point. The corporatists are just as bad as the Republicans. And, and, and Bernie is the only one who is not. Is that correct? He is the only one who okay. is not. Now check this record. All right. All right. Thanks, John. I appreciate the call. 818-985-5735. Uh, Alex in Redondo Beach, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, hey, I just wanted to make a comment, and, and it seems that's sort of for, resonating. For, first, actually, people. first tell me, Alex, who performed better than you expected at the uh, debates? You know, again, you know, the comment about, like, the sound bites, I think that's evident of... of Really, the platform, I don't think, is the right uh, approach. But really, what I wanted to say is that, you know, if the Democratic Party thinks that they are going to push somebody like Biden, then they better be prepared for a loss. And I hate to say this. This is, you know, I don't believe Trump won in the last election. Uh, Hillary lost. That's my my take on it. So how is the DNC, as you see it, how is the party pushing Joe Biden, as you seem to suggest? Well, I mean, it was evident that that, you know, um, Hillary Clinton. I mean, don't you agree that they sidelined him by not giving him access to to uh, email databases and so on? Sidelined who? Bernie? Bernie. Uh, okay, so we went from Biden to Bernie. I I don't. Uh, no, no, I don't think. I, I I do not believe that they sidelined him by, as you described, not giving him access to email. Not to my knowledge, anyway. And I've looked at it pretty closely. Maybe I missed that. All right. And and what about the questions that came from? I forget her name. She became the the chair afterwards, and now she's working with with uh, Fox News. Um, her, she, she was a CNN analyst. Oh, uh, yes. Um, what's uh, Donna Brazil? Yeah. What? Brazil, yeah. Yes. I mean, what? She she basically gave gave Hillary Clinton questions. But, I mean, it, it is so evident that the, the DNC really. But you've jumped, and I thought we were talking about Biden. You've jumped to Hillary, which which we've discussed for the past couple of years, and I think that a case can be made that the DNC did put their thumb on the scale for Hillary. But in talking about this year, Joe Biden is not Hillary unless you're making an argument that he is and that they are doing the same techniques and you have some sort of evidence to support that. Well, I mean, it's obvious that they want somebody in there that that is not Bernie. And okay. I think everything's being repeated. And again, as an elector, as, as, as somebody who's, who's go, who has always voted for for the Democratic Party, 
I, I, and I'll be honest with you, I will not vote. And, and it seems like this is the sentiment. If the Democratic Party keeps pushing candidates, and it's evident, I mean, you, you may not see specific items, but I definitely see it. Okay. And Thanks, Alec. I, listen, if there are, uh, you know, if they're putting their thumb on the scale, and if you want to make that argument, I'm all in favor of exposing them for doing so. Maybe they're secretly doing it. I have yet to see it. If you see it, by all means, feel free to let me know. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. You can also drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Let's uh, see if we can fit in a couple more here. Emma in Oceanside. Hey, Emma, welcome to the Bradcast. Hi. Hey. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Good. I really liked Andrew Yang. Yeah. Um, I agree. He didn't have a lot of time to talk, but I love what he said about um, how we need to first take the boot off of the throat of Americans so then we can start dealing with climate change. And in taking the boot off the throat, that would be his plan to give for universal basic income to give every man, woman and uh, well, not child, but 18 years of age or older, one thousand dollars every month for life. Is that what you're referring to as far as taking the yes, boot off? It the, is. Yeah. You, and you're um, I think. Yeah. Well, I just have noticed um, I have so many friends who are working two, three four part-time or full-time jobs yeah. and still not making rent. So I just think that's ridiculous, and I agree. As soon as we are able to start surviving, then we can focus on climate change, and I think that's the most important issue for me. Mm. Good thought. Good call, Emma. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have heard more from uh, Yang, and I had someone ask me today if we'll, we'll have him on the show. And I, I, I might. I'm trying to be very careful about how uh, I put my own thumb on the scale for any particular candidates. But uh, we'll see if he is not allowed in the second debate or a future debate. In that case, that would give me an excuse to say, OK, well, we'll give you airtime in that case on the broadcast if they won't let you in on the debate. All right. Uh, let me go to very quickly. I got. Oh, le- oh, I'm, uh, I'm almost out of time here, aren't I? All right. Let me give uh, Morris his due. Hey, Mo from Long Beach. Welcome to the broadcast. Your thoughts here, sir? My thoughts are if I'm running for president, I tell everybody right now, we got to stack the Supreme Court. Roosevelt threatened to do it. We're going to do it. That's the only way we can protect Roe v. Wade. That's the only way we can protect the Civil Rights Act of 1964. That's the only way we can get money out of politics. we got to stack the Supreme Court. It's become a very political institution, unfortunately. But that's the way we got to start talking, Brad. And who I think won? I think Tracy Galbraith won. I think she beat a man down. If uh, they got, if she got in a fist fight with one. Uh, and I think the loser was Joe Biden. All he had to do was look at Kamala Harris's record here as an attorney general in California and let her know that she was responsible for some of the homelessness that we got out here. He would have had her lunch, but he didn't know that. Hey, Thanks, uh, Morris, very quick. Uh, do you think yeah. the Democrats ought to gerrymander, a partisan gerrymander the way Republicans are around the country? Oh, man, the, the political side of me says yes, but the, my church side of me says no. So there it is. Oh, God love you on both sides, Morris. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. And thanks to everyone. We uh, couldn't get to everyone. My apologies for that. Thanks for calling in. Thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen. To my board operator today, Ricky Herrera. To my guest, Slate's great, Mark Joseph Stern. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion today, download it anytime from bradblog.com. Drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am 
The Brad Blog. See you there, and we will see you tomorrow on the next thrilling broadcast. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.